can't get away from it. It haunts us. Multiverses. They're everywhere. Just, you can't. You can't get. You can't get rid of Martha. You can't hit multiverses with the stick hard enough to get them to go away. Yeah, they just. We fed them once, and then now they're the just incursions keep multiplied incursion. like feral cats. We fed them after midnight, feral and they turned into gremlins. That's it. That's that is the one. Happened. I mean, we've done two multiverses this this month. We have. We've done two. Oh, oh we have, yeah, we have. The, one. the one has of got course. a multiverse. Yeah, we've yeah. done two. It's interesting though to see <laughs> that. <laughs> Funny. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be on who's on. We're gonna be doing a who's on first bit for a half hour of the podcast. Uh oh. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's weird how different the idea of a multiverse is uh, tackled like twenty years apart. Yeah, it's something that requires. And we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the one. But like that movie's got like a whole preamble to introduce you to the concept of a multiverse. Yeah. Well, there is a similar kind of thread because she's killing all the. Yeah, all oh, the yeah. moms, you know. So yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 got a, it's got yeah. Plot wise, it's got something similar, but that's, yeah, that's fun to think about. But not to collect power, just to yeah, just because yeah. Well, I mean, the movie matters. is like so much more confident with like the introduction of the concept. It's just yeah. like yeah, people know what this is. And it plays a lot more fast and loose, and yeah, mm-hmm. and just yeah, it is. it's really the hand wave stuff. If it doesn't really matter, it's yeah. yeah I mean, it's having a lot more fun than the one is. That's yeah. for it, sure. it delights in the glories yeah. of what it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was listening to Blank Check on the way here, as I often do, sort of to listen to other people talk about movies, to get gassed up to talk about movies. And they were talking about this this film came up, mm. the one we're talking about today, and how much damn money it made, and how wouldn't it be great if we had like three or four of these a year? And it just got me thinking, like, you know, streaming is, you know, going to do whatever it's going to do. Seems like some of those are going to go, some of the services are going under any day now, right? Right. Is the new Hollywood in- approaching? If we can get three or four everything everywhere all at once as a year, you know, if if three or four, end of, you know, unique, non-IP, non-sequelized, from tour directors, you know, if if it doesn't have to be A24, it can be Neon. It doesn't even have to be A24 and Neon. Like, I, I don't care. If I mean, I, Universal's get, out there pulling their way with Cocaine yeah, Bear and Blue House yeah. and, exactly. and Megan. And, yeah. I mean, horror seems to be thriving Original horror seems to be thriving. I mean, I've I've hit Skinamarink, uh, Infinity Pool, and Knock at the Cabin Door, and we're not we're just now into February. Yeah, as I we're just, recording this. Yeah, so yeah, and it had a big year last year. Mm-hmm. So it's really the, the the question is, do we return to high concept, mm-hmm. and do we uh, can we bolster the return of the studio comedy and the mid budget action movie? Yeah, the mid budget action movie. Yeah. Because did Plane do? I haven't looked at box office stuff. I don't know if Plane did well or not. I also have not been keeping an eye on Plane. I guess we should take a look at that at some point. Is this point. a book about carpentry? You don't know about Plane? Uh, yeah, you, the, that's how you make the edges. Dustin, come off. don't you dare! Don't mess with me, man. I've had the exact right amount of coffee to not have the time for it. Don't you play your games with me? <laughs> tell, do tell. you know about the Gerard Butler film Plane or not? I, I do not. Um, okay, here's where we're at. Oh, this doesn't show budget though, does it? Let me see if I can figure that out. Still, all right. So right now, well, I mean, it mostly just came out this year, so it's going to be true. the highest grossing film of the year. Oh. I don't know that anything can beat it. Guardians, maybe. Um, so yeah, so for this year's releases, Megan is currently clocked in at 87 million. Beautiful. Uh, gross. I don't know if that's, dom- yeah, that's domestic. Okay. Uh, A Man Called Otto, which uh, came out right at the end of last year. Yeah, it's mm. kind of a 2022 release. Um, Plane is at 28.8 million. Okay. Missing, 23.3, another low budget, that's high concept. That's a real concept. low budget movie, yeah. yeah. I mean, searching, kind of a sequel. searching was a big surprise hit, though. Yeah. Um... 
I don't see budget on here, though. No, I didn't give that. So. I can't imagine Planes got a $28 million budget, though. I think, uh, I think it's that. probably a $30 million movie. Yeah, yeah okay. based on the trailers. It's pretty close to making it better, I mean, I though. think just natural inflation of, I think, what the, the lower budget is now is still a little more expensive than yeah, 10 years ago I mean, or whatever. You're, you're not wrong, yeah. So, um, Eggs are expensive, I know that. <laughs> Knock at the Cabins at 14.2. That, Pretty strong little opening. Wow, good opening weekend. Yeah, 80 for Brady. But I mean, now we've also got stuff kind of across the quadrants as well, right? 80 for Brady's mm-hmm. like two quadrant older. It's the movie my parents older. are going to go yeah. see. Yeah. Knock at the Cabin, four quadrant. Uh, I'm seeing worldwide 35 for um, Plane right now. Okay. Um, and it's it's budgets reported to be twenty five, so probably okay. around you know forty forty five. So it's marketing. profitable. It's doing okay. Yeah, and I didn't even hit the streaming services yet. So yeah. So I, I guess I just mean like. But we've got the Ants Man coming up. We do, but I'm I'm like, what do we? I, I'm, there's Barbie's coming up, but that's sort of a big IP thing. Oppenheimer's Nolan's brand. Bar- I'm I'm curious about Barbie. I really am. Yeah, I hope it does well. Because mentally, that's built towards skew younger but mm-hmm. the casting direction makes it skew more our age gen i think X, yeah. Yeah. yeah gen x and millennial, Elder millennial. Yeah. yeah i don't yeah i don't know what the uh, zoomers and younger. millennials what i heard the other day you guys are that's what el- i just said elder oh i just i literally just said it he did oh, three seconds ago. i thought you said just older and i wanted, I wanted to call you elder no elder millennials like yeah yeah, yeah. that's been around for a while you guys like are really, there. Yeah. really old millennials yeah we're yeah. elder millennials yeah it's good so are you no you can, you can pretend to be Gen X all you want. <laughs> I make make sure wear that better. jacket all you want. You're still an elder millennial. <laughs> it's a jacket I gave him. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, what are we here to do today? Uh, hey, hello, don't everybody. Know Welcome anymore. again to the Good Trash Undercast. We gather around table. We discuss films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. I am still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I'm still Dalton. And we are here to talk about not playing. We are rather here to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, the Daniels, Michelle Yao. Uh, yay. We're so excited. Kihai Kwan, Stephanie Shu. Yes. Jamie Hong. Lee Curtis. James Wong. Everything. Hong. 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 I said Hong. 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 Yeah. I mean, just an incredible cast. Uh, almost entirely Oscar nominated. Very fun to be talking about this movie before we know how much gold it's going to get. But it's fun to know that it could get some. And this is concluding our East Meets West Crime Wave, um, brought to you by the culinary taste of Mr. Arthur Gordon. Thank you very much for that, Arthur. I do like fusion. It, it, it is. Um, it is a fusion. It is a fusion. It's do. It's multiple marathons. You're it carrying is. a lot of weight with this. Because it's this a marathon. crime movie, kind of. Hey, white collar crime is still crime. Maybe he's not wrong. He's technically, not, te- I guess technically. it is crime. Nobody ever gets punished for it. Nobody that should. Unless anyway. you're Al Capone. That's the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, unless you're Al Capone, nobody gets in trouble for it. But <laughs> I mean, it they is devoted a, a whole series to it on USA at one point. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, white collar. Of course. How could we forget? Hey, uh, uh, and you know, IRS are as dangerous as any organization we've talked about in the last two months. Yes. The Yakuza and the Yakuza and the IRA. Yeah, you know, IRAs, your IRSs, they're all acronyms are dangerous. That's right. I'm, I'm afraid of all acronyms. I you am. should be afraid of all three letter agencies and organizations. <laughs> That's PSA. That, nothing good ever starts there from the GTGC. <laughs> <laughs> so with four, that, four letter acronym, we're safe. Four, four, we're, four, safe. we're okay. Uh, in case you're tuning into the show for the very first time, dear listener, this is an analysis show, not a review show. And that does mean we will spoil this film from last year. We will wait till the end of the show and we'll give you a couple of sort of uh, structural cues in the way we break down the show into bits and pieces. We'll start off with a synopsis. Well, then we'll do that into directly into 
thumbs up, thumbs down review. So we'll do a little bit of review, just saying whether or not the movie hits for us. Then we move on to a little discussion we like to call expanding the syllabus which might involve gentle spoilers of this film but more likely spoilers of film in its orbit and then we move on to getting down to business which is all that analysis there'll be music to let you know that that's when all spoiler bets are off so you have now been warned with that uh arthur gordon can you delight us with a synopsis please um yeah i'm gonna say uh i'm gonna have to rewrite this because i realized something uh but evelyn and waymond uh, are, are experienced several major rifts in their life, a growing splinter in their family, a shift in their business, a disruption in their marriage, and a shattering of their universe. Literally. There you go. Oh, yeah. I love that synopsis. That's a, that's a, that's a cryptic, poetic synopsis, but I like it. Yeah, you try to surmise this movie. It's got a lot of threads. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to know. To keep it a very short blurb, it's hard to know what the most important words are. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't do it. Reality fractures. The end. Yeah. Yes. Maybe. Michelle Yao fights reality. With hot dog fingers. With hot dog fingers. Yes. What a picture. Who's going to go first? I can't go first. I've ta- I've seen this movie four times now. I'll do it because I'm probably going to be the coldest on it. That's fine. Go then. Okay. Um, I thought it, this did not make your no, top ten. No, my top ten. I thought so. Uh, okay. My top ten, yeah. Yeah, no. I, I think colder than you two, though, still. Mm-hmm. Um... I think that uh, this is a movie that I really respect the heck out of. Um, We we talked about Swiss Army Man last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked about, I I think I mentioned just the quality of filmmaking uh, on display and and storytelling on display by Daniels uh, in that movie. And I really, really dig it. And same thing here. I, I, I mean, the concept of this movie the levels at which it works and it probably shouldn't work either the, the way in which they take these absurd Monty Python, high concept SNL type bits and work them into this heartwarming heart on its sleeve, family drama, multi-generation story of immigrants, um, facing just everyday problems that everybody faces. I think a lot of times shouldn't work. Um, but it, it it just does, and it has all the charm in the world. And, and Daniels are really um, showing off, I think, a lot in this movie. Um, the editing, the 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 screenplay, the direction, the uh, production design. Uh, I think specifically, you know, I, I sent that chat. Uh, real shame that this didn't get the nom in production design because we're talking about three sets that they mm-hmm. just continuously redress. And that mm-hmm. apartment looks incredible too. Just like the detail alone and like the living space of the family. Yeah. Is, yeah. And even yeah. little things like, uh, you know, James Hong's uh, uh, alpha um, His uh, coffee wheelchair maker. with the coffee maker. Like alpha those Gong Gong's mech suit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those little bits all are so clever. This movie is so well developed, so well designed, so well realized that in watching it, the epic scope of it easily erases the almost minimalist element of it that it's only a handful of sets and it's only a handful of cast because everything's reused, redressed, reset to make it work. And they pull off some very elaborate stuff. And I'm so I'm just as a film just blown away by what it does. But I haven't really been able to connect with it, I think, in the way a lot of people who praise it have. 
It feels just like it's keeping me a little bit at arm's distance. And I don't know what it is quite about that. And so, you know, uh, we get to that first instance and I don't know if it's a spoiler, you know, whatever. But uh, when they first turn, when, when Evelyn first becomes a rock, mm-hmm. that movie really feels like it's wrapped up. I mean, it feels like it's kind of at a natural interesting momentum like place for it to start to wrap up. And like I had to pause it to do something and there were 40 minutes left. Mm. And it, for me, it just feels, and I don't know if it's that kind of thing that happens sometimes with comedies where you just get so inundated early on that, you know, it kind of affects the pacing towards the back half. And so I don't know if it's that, but I mean, I laugh at all the bits. Like I'm totally along for what's happening and I, I completely respect it and admire it. There's just something there that's, you know, not connecting. I think the best time I had watching this was actually when I watched it with Cells. Uh, his first time, because there's that kind of collaborative, not collaborative, but a uh, communal experience of, sure. mm-hmm. I had already seen it. I know certain things are about to show up. Certain things are about to happen. Certain gags are about to take place. So there's kind of that, what the, how they're going to react, how they're going to respond. And then there's that shared laughter when they enjoy it and embrace it. You know, th- that communal experience, I think, is really fun. And that might be where it exceeds and excels for me. And I'm a I loud think. movie watcher. I know that about you. Yes, he is. Yeah, I mean, I in my most recent viewing... Uh, he was having a panic attack the other day watching War of the Worlds. I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, the Steven Spielberg one? Well, child danger and sure. parent responsibility, and they wouldn't listen. And uh, Yeah, that yeah. seems like a lot for you. Yeah, I get it was, that. It was, it was intense. Uh, I just went and saw this with Alex uh, from Praise Down Alex. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's just so fun to show this movie to people. So I yeah. know exactly what you're saying. So that, that communal thing really draws me in. But it, again, I, I can't really take anything away from it. I think my issues are just kind of a personal not connecting with it. I, I, I Like I said, it's one of the best movies of the year. Uh, and I just really blown away every time I watch it by what has taken place. And some of the bits just work so well. Rakakuni <laughs> works. Uh, the War, uh, War Kong... The Wong Kar Wai. Thank you. Yep. Wong Kar Wai bits uh, with uh, famous actress Evelyn and uh, and very, Wayman. Very dashing yeah. Wayman. Yeah. 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 Are so very good. in the mood for love. I think yeah. some of my favorite bits are in that universe. Totally. Um, man, man, and the way it just deals with their relationship and, and, you know, that moment when she comes in after experiencing that, she's like, my life would have been so much better. I wish you could have seen it. That's yeah, it's wild. Such a good decision. Yeah, I agree. Story choice. Um, and we've already talked. You know, the, all the cast have been heavily acclaimed, but man, uh, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Kia Kwan, Stephanie Shu, they're all doing, and, and Jamie Lee Curtis, I think, to an extent. But th- I think those main three are doing a lot more because multiple genres, multiple character types. M- you know, Jamie Lee's a very physical, but her kind of maintained character throughout never really varies except for towards the end when she gets that moment with Michelle Yeoh mm-hmm. and the kind of the, the shields are all down on yeah. both sides. She gets to do hot dog fingers universe, yeah. but it's, it's yeah, she's doing a lot less than mm-hmm. everybody else, which but it, I think, I mean, just what Kia Kwan and, and Michelle Yeoh, I mean, like you say, I mean, between her and, 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 uh, Blanchett, that's, it's hard. I, I still don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, two different performances, but, both just doing so much. So yeah, I, I, I like this movie a lot. I respect probably respect it a lot more than I may say quote unquote like it. But I yeah, one of the best movies of the year. All right. Well I'm gonna go ahead and go next because I know Dalton is the greatest lover of the thing. And I, the yeah. most experienced, I think, um, with this particular film. Three but, times in theaters? Four times. Three times in theaters. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's that's a lot more. Um, I like it a lot. It's it's very very fun. The jokes land as um, Arthur has said, and I I love the you know we talk about production design and just this sort of detail of using those sets, but the 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 wisdom, uh, the smartness, the cleverness of production design, the way in which you find those little circles and additional googly eyes, and how the googly eyes connect to circles, and sort of that interdimensional theory kind of thing at work. The the science nerd of it all really mm-hmm. really makes sense. I I love the sort of she slams through all the the. Easter egg worlds of just all the worlds. I, I just think that's brilliant stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, my particular favorite is the Twin Peaks one, for obvious reasons. And uh, with the uh, subtitle, meanwhile, I don't know. Yeah, I missed that one. Yeah, there's a lot of the universes to get flashed through. Yeah, she's though. in the red room for just a second. And that's fun. Yeah. Anyway, it's a yeah. Well, of course, not in Twin Peaks, but in the red room of Twin I, Peaks. I knew what yeah, you meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So of course, it, she picked up on that one. <sighs> Which is also in. Earth 616 at one point because she's at the Crazy Rich Asians uh, premiere. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Um, Canonical. And and I, I tell you what, I, I meant to watch for this, and it got me both times. So there is a false ending in this movie. You know, you talk about the rock scene being the false ending. There is a credit sequence mm-hmm. false ending, uh, much like the uh, credit sequence false ending in Vice, where uh, Dick mm-hmm. Cheney just learns his lesson and, you know... Life goes better, but it doesn't go that way. And it, it's, I was gonna, I, I thought to myself, I'm gonna see how they're doing it and what's going on. And it still blew by me. And I'm like, oh gosh, you got me again. And, uh, and it worked on you both times. Well, both times. That's so good. Yeah. And so, really, really well done. I just I really, really appreciate uh, the cleverness of the Daniels. It does not get slow for me, uh, other than it just, it's long. It, I mean, not long, but it is, you know, Time is sort of the nature of cinema watching, and anything two hours or beyond is just going to always be like, what, what are we doing here? Um, because you got other things to do, right? But uh, that's not a problem for the movie. That's just the nature of just bladders and time and sure. chores and whatever else uh, one has to deal with. And so I don't, I don't fault the movie for that at all. But yeah, um, I love the intertextuality of it. I love the metatextuality of it. And uh, it is is really, really clever. It's really, really, really clever. And it is sort of smart playing with the science, too, a little bit. And I appreciate that about it as well. And so, uh, yeah, for my money, yeah, I I like the movie a whole, whole bunch. So, uh, Dalton, do you like this movie since you've seen it four times? You big rewatch and fool you? Yeah. If you don't listen to this show a lot, you might not know that I don't watch movies. Like, I'm not a rewatcher. It's just never been how I interface with cinema. Uh, I can't stop watching this movie, though. I just I just find it very charming. Uh, I've made my top 100 if you have not listened to uh, that series we did. So, yeah, obviously, I'm I'm the big fan here. Uh, and I, I just love so much of what it's doing. And I'll, I'll echo a little bit of what you guys have said. I mean, I think it, it's just so clever from a screenwriting standpoint, uh, how much how many threads they're able to tease out and string back together. Uh, the production design uh, is incredible, as you guys have said. Uh, we did, haven't talked about the costumes. Man, the fits in this movie are impeccable. Just yeah, they are. Oh my gosh, uh, the Joy gets some really cool stuff. I mean, Joy especially. Yeah, I mean, everybody like gets. I mean, the, the, if, to keep it like even at the simplest level, the Wayman tuxedo looks great. But yeah, yeah, Joy's just like gets to have these really fun. You know, you can just tell the costume department had fun making those fits. Uh, th- that's what's so exciting is y- you can feel. Obviously, this is very much a passion project for the Daniels, but this feels very collaborative in the way that the best movies do. You you can see 
how well it was put together, you know, from the fight choreography, uh, from, you know, some YouTubers they found uh, to the special effects team that was very small and working under, you know, remotely. Um, just uh, every, everything I hear about this movie makes me more excited that it exists and that the ways in which it came together. Um, we haven't talked much about the, the overarching themes, but I think that's one of its great strengths is the ways in which it's specific and the ways in which it's universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the ways in which, you know, we look for in great cinema. We look for things that can do both. And this movie does both really, really well. It, uh, you know, it, it's could be there is a contingent of fans who don't like that there are people who don't like this movie and that's too bad it's fine that this movie does not work for some folks yeah yeah i don't i don't know i don't know what that's about uh people are just weird you know people can't people deal are with mad that somebody well, that's fandom right yeah. yeah people just get really excited uh, right. and, and this is kind of an exciting film you know is this it, sort of like you've never seen star wars with my eyebrows arched kind of responding kind that's of sort of my understanding yeah. i haven't followed a lot of it you know I, I i'm aware that i've seen kind of you know backlash reviews and that's you know good that's part of the discourse around film because mm-hmm. a movie like this needs pushback. I mean, cause it just kind of took letterboxed by storm and kind of became social media's favorite movie yeah. uh, f- for as soon as it came out and kind of for the whole year. I mean, it really came, became like the, the patron saint of film Twitter as far as 2022 releases go, um, which is, you know, makes me cautious about how much I like it. And I, every time I go into it, I'm like, Maybe I'll find something here that makes me feel like I've, I've overrated this movie and I've just gotten too excited and too pulled into the hype. And I, I, I just don't. Every time this most recent watch, the last half of the movie, I've just had tears streaming down my face pretty much the entire time. I just think it it hits. It, it, it nails every, as I said, all those plot threads come together and, and a really incredible crescendo, a really a kind of a master class in cross-cutting that would make Christopher Nolan blush. Uh, it's It's really really remarkable filmmaking when this thing kind of reaches its its climax um arthur you mentioned the rock scene for me it, it's kind of a perfectly placed semicolon i think that i i get why you say that though because the movie yeah. does it does kind of change the trajectory and momentum of the film in a big way but it's it's nice to kind of get a quiet moment in mm-hmm. such a loud movie it's nice for them to be and that's what's so exciting about this movie is brave there's butt plug gags uh, in in a thing that uh, in what is ostensibly a family film in in many ways, yeah, it's got an, carries an R rating, but what doesn't? Uh, the, the MPAA being the uh, pearl clutchers that they are. Uh, this this film has like some jokes that are like really like broad, mm-hmm. and it still like manages to bring those threads together, and it has the the audacity to have a quiet moment like the rock moment, mm-hmm. and, and still manage to pull that plot thread in with everything else it's doing. Um, Let's get going because the most interesting things we're going to do today are talk about what this movie's about. So uh, I, I guess I'll just uh, end by saying, I yeah, I love this film. Well, there you go, dear Lister. We like the movie. Uh, surprising no one. Uh, let's move on to the next part of our show, which is called Expanding the Syllabus. Dalton, can you explain what that is all about? So Dustin earlier told you that this is the show where we talk about the films you wouldn't discuss in a film studies course. Now we do that. Now, now we say, what if you were to talk about this film in a film studies course and... Yeah, you know, look, we're in the middle of a two-month marathon of crime films, both anti-trash and uh, trash. Uh, this still being in the trash canon, yeah, obviously, you can't ignore that it's a genre film, but, you know, it is now a Best Picture-nominated genre film. So that does kind of beg the question. So is Avatar. Isn't it a film you discussed in a film studies course now, though? And isn't Avatar? 
don't you end up talking about some of the most successful films ever made in, in some film studies courses? You do occasionally. Occasionally, but really they, they tend sort to of avoid... come up as footnotes. I mean, yeah. we talk about Avatar for other reasons, not just yeah. being yeah. best picture. Not. I mean, yeah. game changer. Yeah. See. So I know you want to throw that under the bus right away, Dustin. I do, because I don't think I've ever watched a Star Wars for a film studies course. I mean, as an example. I agree. So it's this this is where the rubber meets the road, I guess, is what I'm getting at. This is a genre film, but it's getting sort of it's getting its flowers mm-hmm. uh and we're going to try to give it some more flowers by saying it's worth academic discourse and yes. we're going to invent some classes for it to be discussed in do you have a syllabus prepared my friend i am well so i do have one i the better one i've already used unfortunately uh if you go back and listen to our tron legacy episode from last year i've already included everything everywhere all at once on a invented syllabus for this show uh, I did a, a class about the internet and uh, movies mm. about the internet and how how we interface with it and how movies can make the internet part of the text. Uh, we won't be doing that because we've already done that, and I think that's but that's one of the most exciting things about this film to me is the way in which it like uses uh, the feeling of being online without ever like being a movie about the internet. Uh, what we will talk about instead is the Daniels. Uh, a couple weeks ago when we did uh, The Replacement Killers, I talked about Anton Fuqua having a really interesting career. Uh, I just kind of covered his work as an action director, though, and his, his work in genre filmmaking. Before that, he was an extremely prolific uh, music video director. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, so were the Daniels, which, uh, you know, if you followed their career, uh, you probably already knew. Yeah, somebody they did a music video for. Four is in a movie on the screen somewhere. I think I saw it. Uh, yes. So, um, oh my God, I don't have that actor's name pulled up, and I used to know it. Um, but one of the actors in the uh, sort of the Anna and the King or the King and I, whatever, mm-hmm. the, the film that is on TVs throughout uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, yeah, that actor is in their uh, DJ Snake uh, Turn Down for What video. That's it. Turn yeah, Down for What. Yeah. She's in the Turn Down for What video. She's worked with them before. Great video. Uh, fun actor. She's in uh, Glow as well. Anyway, um, we'd look at uh, a class on the the filmmaker or the music video to filmmaker pipeline. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of names that make you cock your eyebrow and go, really? Like Mickey G. So we won't be talking about everybody who's ever... No Mickey G slander at this table. Oh, no Mickey G slander? Yeah, the big Arthur, the Terminator salvation defender has logged on. No babysitter. I don't care about Terminators. (laughs) (laughs) Big babysitter fan over here. Oh, is that... Wait, is is Mickey G the baby... Is babysitter him? I thought it was. Oh, dang. I didn't realize that. Um, the, the ones that I'd really want to look at are Spike Jones, Jonathan Glazer, uh, Fincher, uh, Michelle Gondry, Tarsum, and uh, of course he already mentioned Fuqua. I think those mm-hmm. are sort of like the, the, some of the heavy hitters that have come from music videos and all have, you know, really interesting visions. Uh, you can kind of point to their work and go, ah, a tour theory's happening here, mm-hmm. even, even within their films and, and within their music videos. So I think, uh, I think that'd be a fun way to engage with this, especially, we're so early in the Daniels film career. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens next. So if you were to engage with this film, like currently, I think in an academic context, you really have to like justify it. Right. <laughs> because again, the, the newness, the, the, I don't know, the zeitgeistiness of it is like, 
hard to deny. Absolutely. I, you know, I wonder about the whole, you know, I, I mean, I, I think it's fine to think of them as auteurs and mm-hmm. think of their work and, and see those th- the thematic through lines because uh, lots of directors have some of that kind of stuff going on, you know, not just the sort of big Mount Rushmore names mm-hmm. or whatever. But, you know, I, I think I just think about the sort of waste bin of history um, because we don't know what they're going to do next. They've only done a couple of movies yeah. at this point and the publisher Parish um, drive of Film Academia that someone's going to write the Daniels book this year. It's going to come out this year. I, I guarantee you somewhere. Somebody's already some, got some, it. Somebody's got a Rutledge book out there, you know, or, or they're coming out from, you know, uh, University of Texas Press yeah. or something. And academics getting in on the ground floor. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I wonder how many books there are like that, that you can't find of, you know, this is going to be the next big person and then they're not but i'd be curious yeah, yeah. i'm curious that's part of what makes them so exciting right? i wish them well i hope that they do continue to do I, that, stuff, yeah, I, yeah it course. seemed like that's what you were saying yeah but but, but you know you just, never know yeah you never know that jumping the gun mm-hmm. kind of thing and there is there's always a bit of that that takes place i mean the you know daniel scheinert's already made some movies by himself i think daniel kwan's done at least one He's done some TV by himself, so they've they've done projects without each other. So yeah, you know, there's there's no telling how long this partnership lasts. Mm-hmm. It, it could be a you know, couple of movies and done. But I, I think they're very interesting, and I, I think it's I don't know, it's exciting to watch music videos and then sh- try to carry that over to film because they are yeah. such different mediums. Uh, f- you know, and, and music video direction tends to be so much livelier so much more on the you know the formalist side of things mm-hmm. and the realist side of things so it's 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 much more you know a movement and uh much especially there's some really good daniels music videos i did go ahead and watch some and prep some real fun ones out there other than the uh the, the dj snake video which i think is sort of one of their big calling cards mm-hmm. uh the shins video they did was really good uh anyway go, go seek those out uh they did a foster of the people i don't really like foster the people but uh good video uh, they uh, they do a uh, weekend at Bernie's thing with the whole band. Oh, fun! Yeah, it's very fun. Anyway, I think that'd be a fun context to talk about. Daniels is, is looking at the, this pipeline because it's very real. It exists, and it's it's sort of interesting to examine like who comes over from that world, who's successful, what kind of movies like make directors successful coming out of that world. Uh, it's it's interesting. You can even precursor it with the uh, commercials to you know think totally. about like the Scots and the the kind of the Brits at that time and mm-hmm. the, the mid to late 80s who were primarily commercial directors who did the did the jump well we've we've already mentioned uh Kate Blanchett's performance in tar uh on this episode that's Todd Fields or Todd Fields bread and butter is uh commercials when he's you know he's only done the three feature films so yeah i think there's a whole other world going on uh, in the music or the con- a concurrent or adjacent to the music video world yeah like you said mm-hmm. the commercial directors are huge and i think Fincher's done some commercial work as well and you've got plenty of filmmakers who like i already mentioned todd fields but the, he's not the only one there's plenty of like people who have acclaimed films go do commercial work it's mm-hmm. an easy way to make some money absolutely uh, it's and it's definitely it's it's interesting the relationship between these very very different modes of working within filmmaking and it's again still all technically filmmaking at some level so again i think it's interesting to think about very cool very cool arthur do you have a syllabus prepared yeah i was thinking a lot about the new year component of uh Everything Everywhere All at Once, mm. uh, the film's kind of third act builds to this New Year's party, mm. a Chinese New Year's party. Um, and so I was thinking about films that take place around that. And I think, you know, obviously, symbolically, the New Year as a, a time of change or renewal or refreshing or uh, new direction. And so I, I think we'd start off with some fun, though. Uh, and we'd talk about Ocean's Eleven, um, wherein Danny Ocean decides to 
that, to pull off a heist on uh, on, on the uh, end of the year here. Um, has some fun. Uh, has a little party with the uh, eleven of his friends, and uh, has a good time. And uh, looking at the uh, lack of want to change uh, in Danny Ocean as as he leaves prison, only to uh, wind up back there at the end. Um, we then look at it when Harry met Sally, and we probably move into some more uh, romance or romance adjacent films. Um, but another one that culminates on New Year's Eve with the big uh, moment when uh, when Harry finally realizes what he wants. Uh, we did also pair that with Phantom Thread, uh, another mm-hmm. one uh, that has a big culmination at New Year's Eve, uh, when Woodcock finally realizes what he wants, uh, and then realizes what he really wants is uh, someone who can uh, control him as much as he can control them. Uh, that bizarro uh, relationship. Uh, we'd also look at a little Forbidden Love. We talk about Carol. Speaking of Blanchett, yeah, uh, we mm-hmm. take a look at that, and then that budding relationship uh, that takes place there between her and Rooney Mara's character uh, over a cold, wintry uh, peak. That yeah, uh, Christmas little, and New Year's movie, yeah, right? yeah, kind of in that whole end of the year season. But I believe they they share a little smooch around the New Year hmm. holiday, I uh, which kind of opens Carol. it up. Uh, we take a look at Sunset Boulevard uh, as well, which has oh, a big yeah. culminating New Year's party where. Uh, where Joe realizes, uh, oh yeah, he's a kid. Things man. are uh, a yeah, little yeah. different than he thought they were. I um, about that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he finds out just how deep he is into uh, into uh, Norma's uh, Norma's world, yeah. and so uh, we look at that. Uh, we'd go another Billy Wilder though, but we'd go to the apartment uh, a few years later with Shirley MacLaine and Jack Lemmon, and uh, I think kind of a precursor in some ways too when Harry met Sally, uh, but also just another kind of love triangle. You know, who's she going to go with? What's the decision? What's at stake there? Uh, and then finally, we would uh, somber it up a bit, but we take a look at uh, Fruitvale Station as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. Uh, which plays out over the course of New Year's Day in 2009? Earlier eight? than that? Seven or eight, I think. Seven? Okay. Yeah. It comes out in 2009. Is that right? No, it comes out in like 2011, I think. Okay. Yeah. I think it is 2009. I'll Based be, on what I'll, I look. I'll yeah, get on it. Doesn't matter. New Year's Day is yeah, all that matters. Yeah, that's what's most relevant. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the first... But we take a look at this and this kind of heartbreaking turn from uh, Michael B. Jordan, him kind of kicking off things with Coogler. Uh, but just a really powerful tale and a powerful story that's, again, just eerily prescient uh, and kind of constantly, unfortunately. And so uh, we talk about um, a new year st- starts in grief and and what that leads to and what that comes from that. But that's yeah. what we look at, though, or, or I think movies set around the new year and how we can approach holidays as uh, maybe a dynamic within a story uh, for character motivation or plot uh, motivation. Well, I'm curious of how many more Lunar New Year movies there are, because obviously... I'm sure there's of, a bunch yeah, in yeah. Asia. I, I mean, yeah, I'm I sure assume, there's some good yeah. ones and some yeah. bad ones, because there's plenty of... You, you, yeah. I noticed you missed New Year's Eve, I believe that's that, that, the, the film. The slasher film, yeah. Oh, no, no I meant the... the rom-com with 40 actors or whatever yeah the, oh. the, ho- the, big... the part of the holiday rom-com trend that was yeah going on for valentine's a few years. day and new year's day what yeah. are you oh, talking yeah. about there's a there's a 70s or 80s slasher movie it's, it's like they did holidays it's an april fool's day oh, new year's in day. the fallout of friday the 13th yeah yeah it's like one of those yeah just it's another black christmas kind of thing gotcha yeah yeah hey, 
What do you got for us? What's your syllabus? My syllabus is going to be whenever I get a turn at the science fiction literature course that you're working on. So uh, Arthur is working on a course right now in science fiction uh, media uh, course. And so when I get a go at it, I think what I would want to do is I would uh, bundle the modules according to types rather than doing it chronologically. Because that's that's kind of your plan right now, right? I have a chronological sort of development of yes. science fiction is, yeah. is the way you're approaching it. Um, mine is going to take science fiction as a given and then just sort of look at types and sorts and kinds of that uh, of science fiction. And so you'd have a module on AI science fiction. Mm-hmm. You have a model mm-hmm. on um, uh, the aliens, aliens are bad, yeah. the aliens are good, uh, a, mod- uh, a module on uh, the sort of uh, Frankenstein story. Science gone too far. Yeah, the creature yeah. run amok and that kind of stuff. Is it a Pinocchio story or a Frankenstein story? Which one? Yes. Pinocchio or Frankenstein. Exactly. <laughs> Pinocchio is a Frankenstein story by Pinocchio. No. But Frankenstein's uh, a Pinocchio story? Pina- but yes, correct. Um, moving on. Um, but I think I would do a multiverse. Uh, section and so the multiverse uh, section would include everywhere everything everywhere all at once but we'd all but because it is a film and literature course it'd be quite a bit of reading and so I think one of the the few hard science textbooks I would assign oh I was going to do like a colonization movies and and, and literature as well uh, kind of course there and one of the one of the few hard sciences I'd uh, assign though would be John Gribbins in search of the multiverse colon Parallel Worlds, Hidden Dimensions, and the Ultimate Quest for the Frontiers of Reality. It's a popular, popularly written science uh, nonfiction book in which just the idea of string theory, mm. the idea of the bubble is of the multiverse, now the bubbles may or may not connect, and there might be inter-multidimensional spaces between the bubbles, and uh, but they could at times come into contact and what those theories might look like uh, for the concept of a multiverse. And then look at some other multiversal uh, kinds of media. I, I, I don't know that I do a lot of movies. I mean, obviously Jet Li's The One is a good example of this, and there's a couple other movies that sort of touch this idea. Well, the multiverse of madness from your Doctor Strange, etc., in which we're having a little bit of that kind of bleed through in media, but I think I'd really be pretty lit heavy. Um, I would begin with Edwin Abbott Abbott's Flatlander, or Flatland, uh, which is a kind of, it's not the first. There's a couple of older uh, texts from the 18th and also from the 17th centuries in which you have some ideas of this, but Flatland is the idea that a land is two-dimensional and the encountering of a, an object that's in three dimensions. Uh, the illustration is often given of if you experienced like uh, an object like a ball, passing through your you would see first a, a circle and or, or what an, an entirely solid circle then you'd see a, a wide circle that would get wider 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 and then it would get narrower and narrower and narrower until it turned into a dot mm-hmm. as it passed through you know your plane of existence i think and, i've heard of this yeah, yeah it's a pretty famous kind of illustration i mean i know the illustration i mean i've heard i think i've heard of flatland yeah and i know the illustration but it's it, it, it's an interesting from book and abbott was a mathematician and a theologian which we don't have enough of anymore and uh, that would be handy to have more of them again. Yeah. But I digress on that particular subject. And, and so that that's an initial work to look at. And then I think I would move into the 20th century, probably look at the Chronicles of Narnia, especially The Magician's Nephew, which has got a space between the worlds in uh, that wood between yeah. the worlds. Yeah. And the idea of, of those various worlds and the way and then yeah. this sort of interpenetration between them. And Narnia itself is sort of this multidimensional hmm. kind of uh, bit of fantasy uh, fiction and it is much more fantasy than it is science fiction, but there is a way in which there is the, the science fiction connection to it. Uh, and again, sort of those adjacent pieces, I think I'd want a, a group of students to look at. Uh, the final thing I think I'd have students look at, and I'm not sure 
what to assign because it's an entire book series like Narnia, but I don't have like a sort of key referential text. Uh, I might use Drawing of the Three out of the Dark Tower series, though, is, is what I'm kind of thinking uh, for that. But the, it, it gets even more gnarly and meta-universal, multiversal, uh, as the series goes on, with some pretty uh, interesting exposition of the whole idea, not found in the series, but found in Stephen King's It, uh, where we describe the It alien in the place from which the the no place from which the alien comes. It's an incredibly baller move to just be like, fuck it. My, all my books and I write a lot of books are a multiverse. Yeah, and, 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 well, and it's kind of, it's fun that way. It, it is. And, and it, it, it skirts off into that area of metatextuality in the same way that everything everywhere all at once does in the mm-hmm. dark tower, because not only is it a story about these multiverses sort of connected to one, one another and, and how uh, there might be linchpins that connect all those various multiverses and we need to do something to save them at the Dark Tower, but that it also includes the universe of a writer named Stephen King mm-hmm. who's writing this novel, uh, or this series of novels, and to include that, and, and everything everyone does it as well with the Michelle Yao story that is... Yeah, the, as Ar- Arthur said, the, you know, the, she's at the Crazy Rich Asians premiere, so it clearly takes place in, at least adjacent to our universe. Yeah, and, and then of course her famous, you know, Kung Fu star uh, mm-hmm. role as well, which is very close to her real life, mm-hmm. you know, persona as well. And then there's a, there, one of those flash scenes is Star Trek, Michelle Yeo. Oh, I missed she, that. And she's in Star Trek, so uh, the Discovery. Yeah, she's I, in I knew the, that. Uh, I mean, I missed the, uh, the flip through. Yeah, she's in one of the Discovery uniforms for like a flash that's fun um, there as well and so I, I think something like that would be kind of fun to connect those dots as mm-hmm. well and just to think about the narrative potentials of those the way and what are the genre rules of it mm-hmm. how, to what extent uh, some of the evolution of uh, exploring the concept and uh, I, again that I think that'd be a fun little chunk uh, in a class generally about science fiction mm-hmm. uh, is the way I'd end up using it. So there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus has got quite a bit longer. We move on to the part of the show we've been all waiting for. It's time now to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I mean, what you're trying to say, you're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. It's business Yes, that's right, dear listener, and that business is bagels. Sucked into a bagel. Yes. Just think about that a lot. <laughs> just, just think about Stephanie Shue saying, singing that a lot. Yeah. Which is really funny to me. It is. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, if you haven't seen this movie, uh, should we? The, what happens is Joy's an interdimensional killer called Jobu Tupaki, and she wants to kill her mom for... Uh, turning, all her moms. All her moms for turning her into... Jobu Tupaki. Correct. Well, and th- what is revealed is she's looking for an Evelyn that can become like her, is what we, we do learn eventually. Uh, but I guess that's, you know, that's sort of the big spoiler is it's, you know, it's a family drama. Not a surprise. It's not just a multiverse movie. This is why the multiverse is after uh, Evelyn is, uh, you know, because it's a movie about relationships which is vaguely you know reminiscent of what we saw in Jet Li's The One and mm-hmm. I was sort of hinting at this at the top end of the show so uh, one of the versions of the evil Jet Li character is that he's killing all the other Jets Li so that he can be the ultimate the one Jet Li mm-hmm. and then he'll be the most powerful but he runs up against they all they all simultaneously become more powerful so he runs up against himself and this does not have the sort of power upness but it does have this sort of idea of I'm trying to eliminate all these and, and again in the search of mm-hmm. the one. And if I'm able to do that, I'm able to destroy all the universes. Right? 
Well, it's not, you know, it's also highly metaphorical, right? At, at like every level. Yes. Uh, so that's that's sort of what's both fun and you cock your eyebrow at me and go, right? Isn't that what it's about? And I say, <laughs> kind of. Who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> I know that's part of the fun of the movie is getting swept up in it. And uh, by the end of the film, you're not entirely sure what universe you've landed in. You've just sort of in, landed in the super mega happy universe. And maybe that's the best one to be. <laughs> right. And but which is I think believable because it's not uh, you say super mega happy and it is a, a it's, reconciliation. It's the one where they're choosing to like, yeah, but it's work still, on things. There's still like a lot of work and there's exactly. still a lot of difficulty. It's it's not everything is I did overstate it. You're right. A okay. But no, I I think I think that's really fun and fascinating. I also am I just I'm a big fan of the audacity of the the postmodernism of the film just to, to absolutely just say we are going to play with all the sort of in joke super meta textuality in the world mm-hmm. and uh, the, the 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 idea of postmodern pastiche and uh, again this seems to be the high point of all cinema yeah right we're now. strapping duck amuck to a rocket ship and we're hitting blast off and I think that's what's so exciting about this movie is it mm-hmm. does feel like post postmodern cinema it feels like the the first in a new line of something is that what you're saying yeah well or just more i I don't know if it's the first or more of the same but a really well done version of the same yeah yeah we've been talking about postmodern movies for 40 years now close to i mean as early as the late 80s and early 90s are we really 70s even really yeah yeah. so it's not like this is anything new but this is like doing all of that and, and then some you know, it's it's calling out its references and calling the references back in on themselves and going, surprise, we're still just kind of, a you know, a very boring, not boring, but a very typical story. Mm-hmm. It, it just it becomes recursive in a very interesting way. Yeah. Much like the bagel. Absolutely. Shall we talk science? No. Why would no. we do uh, that? I, I, I thought the idea of the multiple verse, universes existing based on choice. Like, I think that's... Mm, that, butterfly okay, yeah. effect type butterfly branching effect. universes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that is really kind of fun because I do think we're at a moment right now because I am thinking about the Marvel Universe mm-hmm. and I am thinking about the ways in which there have been a number of bits of media fiction that sort of play with this idea of branching out like back to Nick Cage's Knowing and a couple other movies, you know, in the last 15, 20 years that have explored the idea. But it seems to me that there is a cultural preoccupation with the the concepts of free will and of fate, mm-hmm. this idea that these things, that there are, there are ways in which our lives are kind of inscribed, but there are individual pieces of freedom, mm-hmm. and that within that there is variation, but not that much, right? It, it seems to be the overarching kind of guide there, that it, it, most universes it seems that Michelle Yao is some version of Joy's mom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, that's it. Seems to be the thing that most often happens. Yeah. Right. Um, in most universes, Doctor Strange kind of kills everybody. Uh, <laughs> or, you know what I mean? It's in, in most universes, P- Peter Parker will lose Uncle Ben. In yeah. most universes, yeah. you know what I mean? There'll be some weird ones. They're just slightly variant. Right. Yeah. yeah. But within those, uh, maybe Uncle Ben doesn't die. Maybe Gwen doesn't fall off the. Yeah. The building, maybe. Well, this is why comic books have been the home of this stuff for so right. long. And it's it's interesting from that sort of, as we discussed, metatextual level to like really get into the weeds with it, the way comic books have been comfortable doing forever. Right. But I, I think the question to me, or the, the answer that we seem to be falling on right now culturally, is that there is determinism and free will. 
that we live in a, in a universe mm. in which there are well that our 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 circumstances determine us yeah. to, to, to some extent that that the the act of you know sentience itself the sort of rise of man whatever you want to say in some senses sets uh, a certain set of dominoes rolling and there's not a lot that can be done about some of where the train is going well, and it, yet go ahead. there are these sort of individual choices that we can make that that do flavor it differently that do change some aspect of either moral makeup or just aesthetic makeup or uh, that can have some pretty big consequences or some relatively smaller consequences, but still the shape of the story kind of tends to go. I think that's one of the the exciting things about this, right? Because we do end up at a moment of Evelyn choosing to be more like Wayman, you know, this relationship mm-hmm. that she's sort of neglected and as as not realize that this other person who she's, you know, she's spent so many years with is like desperate for there to be more between the two of them and for it to, to be about, you know, recognizing the person that's next to you, uh, you know, in in the context of a romantic partnership, like recognizing not only that they're needing more from you, but also recognizing their value and Mm -hmm. trying to like do more, uh, be more like them. I just, it's, it's, and this is something she says to, uh, to joy in the rock universe, right? Is, uh, you know, there are no rules. We can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of what it comes down to is, yeah, there is, you are sort of locked into a prescribed sort of circuits, prescribed set of circumstances, whether that's, you know, uh, having limited options, uh, and being targeted by the IRS because you're a small immigrant, small business owner, or, mm-hmm your brain's been broken by the multiverse and you're experiencing everything all the time, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, your, your only choice is like how you're going to engage with the universe. And right. And I think that's, yeah, I think the movie is doing exactly what you're talking about. It, it's trying to, and I think that's, I don't know, that's where we've gotten with discussions about free will and determinism. I think, I think most of the conversations around the, that sort of idea have, brought in enough perspectives at this point that we're engaging with the idea that a lot of people don't have a lot of options Mm -hmm. as far as like determinism goes. And yeah, I think that's important to acknowledge and and think about. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, I I think that it's sort of doing the both and it's well, Mm -hmm. everything everywhere all at once. Mm -hmm. It it is, you're both entirely determined and you are entirely free within those constraints to do something else. And uh, whatever those else's may be, again, those may be limited options, but those options branch out to other options, etc. And so it, it does seem like they've finally found a way to square the circle uh, right now. And I, I like that. Um, again, this is sort of an ancient, you know, as far as like the greatest, um, not the greatest, but one of the great philosophical questions of the last, you know. 3,500 years or so of human history. And so I, I, I just find that to be really, really fun. I do also want to think about cultural moments in the choice to choose love. When uh, the third eye opens and uh, Michelle Yao opts not to fight her enemies, mm-hmm. but to find out what her enemies need. And by giving them that, they cease to be enemies. Yeah, this is something you called for about... 500 years ago when we uh, talked about matrix on the 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 original the matrix Mm -hmm. on this podcast you talked about that being one of the film's shortcomings is sort of uh, the lack of the the revolutionary imagination to to do go anywhere beyond the okay we break everything and then what Mm -hmm. and uh you know is just the the idea of like the inherent necessity of violence in that film and uh, yeah it's it's so interesting that this film like sees a lot of what the matrix is doing and goes, I, 
I wanted I want to square the circle. Mm-hmm. I, I want the action movie to have the everybody is part of this ending. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And uh, again, this sort of uh, we were seeing again uh, the Marvel universe. So this is like the art side or the sort of higher brow, uh, more intellectual, intellectually satisfying side of the the Star Lord dance off at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, or uh, the Doctor Strange Dormammu locked up in the uh, time loop kind of thing. It, it, it it's the same idea as like we're going to opt not to just mm-hmm. hit it with a bigger gun, a bigger weapon. Mm-hmm. We're going to opt instead to find a peaceful. Uh, solution here again. Dormammu is obviously locked up against Dormammu's will, so that's probably not awesome. Sounds like you really want to talk about Doctor Strange today. I don't. I don't really. But <laughs> I have, you can't stop bringing him up. Well, I, I very, very recently. Well, it's also Pig. I mean, right? Pig, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, absolutely. You know, choosing peace and love mm-hmm. rather than John violence. Rick. Yeah, just circulates violence. Right, and it, it, it just—it just—it seems to be that we're at a moment right now of our postmodernity in cinema, where we are so self-reflexively like this is how we always tell the stories, this is how we always fix it, and we're trying, it seems to be, to creatively come to, again, how how does love win? Well, and this links into like, you know, a related theme of the film is this this sort of intergenerational trauma, intergenerational relationships. The things that we are are loved, the, the the things that our forebearers do to us, and the things that we do to those who come after us, and and how these things like, you know, really negative <laughs> negatively impact people's re- ability to relate to one another. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's interesting that like Gong Gong represents this, uh, you know, the the alpha force of like we have to kill Joy, like that is our only option here. And and it's it does ultimately become about you know choosing something different, choosing something different than what we've done before. Uh, and mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting the, you know the this ongoing theme throughout the film of like is Gong Gong going to be a big homophobe and is Evelyn just using Gong Gong's age to hide the fact that she's being a little bit homophobic? Yeah, yeah she's she, uncomfortable. Yeah. She's just hiding behind her dad. Like it all ties together so neatly. Like mm-hmm. it all circles back in on, on itself. Much like the bagel, the bagel, or the googly eye. Or the googly eye, or the inverse of the bagel, the Mobius strip. Yeah, well, well I what what Mobius strip exists just, within the film? Oh well, I mean, the, I was citing things in the movie. What are you citing? I'm just thinking of the idea of just the recursive nature of time gotcha. and choice, and, and well, that. that's that's what I like about the film is it like it takes those ideas and like finds a way to get them into the text mm-hmm. as like part of the actual movie that's happening. It's yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, uh, and I, and I do like that it does come to a conclusion. I mean, I, I think there are versions of the same kind of story, like David Lynch's Lost Highway in which uh, Bill Pullman and uh, Balthazar Getty are just caught sort of reliving each other's versions of their Mm. lives and just sort of zipping, zipping around that same Mobius strip. And this does not do that, uh, which is what I worried about first time watching. I was thinking a little bit like, oh, no, she's going to open up in the beginning and she's going to do it all, all over again. Mm. And uh, it's going to be this sort of like weirdest... This is who we are. Groundhog's Day type. Groundhog Day, yeah, yeah, for sure, kind of thing. And it does open up its own way out, which I think is what, why I sort of began talking about the freedom of will versus determinism. Sure. And uh, that there is this sort of, you know, escape route, and the escape route is love, yeah. you know, which philosophically is fascinating to me and uh, appealing to my particular worldview. And so I uh, enjoyed that a lot about it. Um, what are the, uh, I mean, we talked about the immigrant experience a little bit here, and I think that's really important to this film that it is as Asian as it is American. Yeah. And, uh, I, I Super love, important. I love that about this movie. 
Yeah, I well, you know, it's 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 so fun to see, you know, Daniel Kwan obviously gets to his identity sort of takes center stage with the film's identity. Is he second bit. or third generation? I think he's second generation. He second? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think his parents were small business owners as well. I don't mm-hmm. remember what they do, but I think they were also, you know, they, his parents were first generation and they were small business owners if I remember right. But it's, it's just like, as you said, it's still so much, it's, you know, it's Michelle Yeoh's, the Michelle Yeoh-ness of it like speaks to, and he was just, they just did a criterion closet. The Daniels did. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about police story one and two being like such a big part of his upbringing. And, you know, he's got this uncle who is just got a, a an encyclopedic, uh, knowledge of Hong Kong action cinema. And so it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's got so much of, of those roots just with Michelle Yeoh alone. And and of course the Wong Kar Wai uh, nods as well. So it's, it's wearing its love for Chinese cinema very strongly, but again, it's also very much in, in conversation with the matrix. It's, it's in conversation with two national cinemas and in, in a very serious way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that's great. And again, the specificity of it being an immigrant family, like allows for those more general things to, to come into play, the laundry and taxes of it all. Like that's, that's all anybody's looking for. If, well, not anybody, not everybody's looking for a, you know, monogamous relationship, but anybody that is looking for one is looking for, you know, somebody to just weather life with. Right. Yeah. Just go to do life, you know, have enough money to take a vacation and now and again. And you know, yeah. Yeah. Vacation's inherently evil. We'll talk about that when we get to infinity pool someday. (laughs) Well, I, I, it did not work, is what I mean. But, oh yeah, yeah. I know what you meant. Recreation, yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's so nice. It's it is ultimately like a very morally simplistic film at some level, but mm-hmm. I don't know that that's necessarily a problem. I don't think it's a problem. Uh, that's no. that's sort of what movies do at some level is you know put a put a pin on it at the end of the you know as many threads as this movie has, and that's part of what makes it so exciting is we could spend way longer than we're going to spend today talking about it. Uh, we could probably do a more an hour longer than we're actually going to do. But like it does eventually like have a central thesis statement that it ties mm-hmm. it all back into. And again, the sort of the nature of of family relationships within an immigrant family, like the, the nature of like the way Joy experiences her mother's love is kind of a problem mm-hmm. and Evelyn is not it can see the problem right the early in the film when she's like she, she wants to say something other than you're getting fat and that's right. all she can think that's to all say. she can think to say when she when again Michelle Yeoh plays it so well yeah well, it, it, yeah you absolutely believe that this is a woman who wants to help her daughter and is just like what your your health is the thing I can't keep quit thinking about yeah. so I, and which comes out as you're fat not I'm re- I really I want you to be around here a very long time. I don't yeah. want to be the one that buries you. You're supposed to bury me. It is like all the complex layers of that and it just comes out as yeah. you're getting fat. Then yeah. even in a, you know, even once Evelyn has learned and grown and changed, her way of showing love for Becky is you should grow out your hair. You should grow out your hair. Yeah. yeah. So she's she's still like who she is and this kind of brings us back to the free will and determinism of it all. Mm. It's like she's choosing to accept joy for who she is. She's still Evelyn and she yeah. still like doesn't want these modern sort of very you know yeah well American mm-hmm. things for her daughter and her her family it's cute right yeah it's it allows it allows like a moment that feels like very loaded with pain in the beginning of the movie to feel a little bit more cute at the end mm-hmm. of the movie which is a nice button to put on that that aspect I agree yeah um 
I, I've heard the bagel represent and both Joe I've heard a lot of theories, which I think is fun. Uh, you know, people have interpretations of this film. Uh, I've heard the bagel interpreted as suicide, which I think uh, makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. uh, as far as uh, what Joy's looking for an out and uh, mm. some peace and quiet in the multiverse. Sure. Uh, I think that's a really interesting read of the film. Yeah, I think that reading's there. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's this moment uh, where Joy's getting sucked into the bagel and her mom has to bring her back from the edge, right? And mm-hmm. it becomes a big family effort to bring her back. I think that's there. I think... Also, you know, the, in interviews, Daniel Kwan has talked about, you know, getting a, an adult ADHD diagnosis in the process of making this film and just uh, sort of his his neuroatypicality making it into the film being like something that he was realizing as they were making it. And mm-hmm. I think those those elements are there, I think, as well of like the Jobu Tubaki brain being sort of an expression of like neurotypicality or just like other mental health issues like well, general I mean, that like, is the experience of that particular yeah as everything everywhere all at once yeah, yeah that that make, makes sense that's you know people uh my my spouse who has that diagnosis as well among other things let's talk about like those that aspect of film really hitting hard of like oh yeah mm-hmm. wow the, the, that seems to be speaking to people in a pretty real way which i think is cool uh but yeah i i think there's a lot of different lenses you can view these you know, both both Jobu Tubaki brain and the uh, everything bagel have a couple of different lenses you can take to, them, mm-hmm. which I think are interesting. Um, what, what is it? Do you need anything for you that comes to mind uh, other than, you know, sort of the big E on the I charts that I mentioned? I don't know. I mean, it's for the inter- interpretation of the bagel itself, the bagel or, you know, or the experiencing of the multi of verse hopping, you know, mm-hmm. whatever we're, you know, any 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 big big things that uh ideas that really s- stood out to you or? i think the idea of statistical improbability to sort of be able to connect to those various places mm-hmm. is really kind of interesting because i think part of what the film posits is that most of what happens is what's most likely to happen mm. that, that 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 if you're if you're going to say that there are potentials and possibilities there's still odds mm. and that the odds are and this sort of gets down to our determinism once again right mm. so the odds are the dominoes will fall this way but every once in a while something a little weird happens and even then, though, it doesn't vary that much, but it does branch it off to where it is recognizably yeah. different. You can't get a paper cut on purpose. So, yeah, you have to get a paper cut on purpose to <sighs> make the, the verse jump happen. That's that statistically improbable thing. The worst thing. Well, I mean, Joyce says something along that after uh, after uh, uh, Miss Deirdre gives him one last extension. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's like, why? And Alpha Joyce, you know, commenting from the side. It's just a statistical Mm-hmm. probably it doesn't mean anything yeah mm-hmm. yeah you oh i forgot about that that's a good moment too yeah. yeah the 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 party universe the universe where the the new year's party happens is like so it's so good dude like the the way that they stretch that scene which is you know again starts with joy being like mm-hmm. doesn't matter it still doesn't matter mm-hmm. the way they they like manage to tie that all together is it just like hits so hard for me uh, both like her and Deirdre having this kind of sweet moment where they're hitting Deirdre's vape together and sort of talking <laughs> about, you know, lovability and, and trying to like, mm-hmm. you know, circle square, the circle of like, you know, being a hard person sometimes and, and like to bring that thread back to, you know, that conversation with joy that it's just, yeah, it hits so hard. And like, I think, uh, I'm glad you brought up joy in that scene uh, because it's so fun that that ends with her being like trying to leave, like trying to like, just like, let me get out of here mm-hmm. while we've got, we're cross cutting back to the, the bagel fight 
uh, it's just so good. Right. Uh, it's it's so difficult to pull off. And again, it's it's just inventive and exciting filmmaking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I love the, the statistical and probability stuff, though. Yeah, that's good. Well, all right, then. Let's go ahead and render a verdict on everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, does it go on every shelf, everywhere, all at once, or in the trash? I don't know. I was going somewhere with that, and it fell apart. Arthur, what do you say? Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> shelfable. It's, it's, I think one we'll look back on in, in future years and will probably shape um, some some directors. It'll shape some films. It'll shape some visions. I, I think it'll be in the discourse for a while. And uh, yeah, I think it's just good filmmaking mm-hmm. on display. And I always appreciate good filmmaking on display. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what do you say uh, there, Dalton? Yeah, I'm obviously a big fan of this film. I think it's extremely shelfable. And I, I like Arthur, I'm very excited to see how the, uh, the discourse on this one continues to unfold and evolve. And uh, I don't know. Be interesting if it picks up some uh, some Oscars. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see on that. Um, I'm also going to shelf it because I do think it's going to be a touchstone. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those moments where we're going to go, oh, yeah, that that was a moment where a thing happened and, and sort of uh, shaped in ways in which storytelling um, will find new legs and new directions. I think it is the statistical improbability of eating an entire tube of chapstick and uh, it'll change some things from that point forward. All you need is a beloved child actor to make their return to the screen while also letting a beloved screen icon have a starring role that she's never gotten. You know, you just have to have several lightnings in a bottle happen at once. All at the same time. Everything, and, everywhere, everywhere, all, all at all once <laughs> has to come together. And you too can have a film that makes $100 million. <laughs> What's that Jonathan Lipnicki up to today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, ooh, who's... Who's going to have the big... Who's got the next the, one? The next kid actor that we're going to want to get is it, back? Is it Haley? You know, uh, Haley Joel well, kind of been, had a thing. It's been so, a, I don't know. Yeah, he's been on the cusp of coming back for a little I bit. Mean, we're, I mean, he's, you know, comeback is completely different because it's... I mean, he was gone. I mean, yeah. he was doing stunt stuff, AD type stuff, and and so he was... Fully not acting. Yeah, he right. kind of written off his dream. At, yeah. You know, yeah. And so Haley, we've already seen coming back and do some stuff, some TV stuff, some other movies... But I mean, yeah, surely there's some child actor who just gave up and yeah, I'm sure there's gonna be somebody. People yeah. are getting calls in the town. People from the sound yeah. lot are, are you know yeah. the entire the yeah. entire team of the sound yeah. lot is getting phone calls right yeah, now. Yeah, there's a slew of kids from the Disney uh, mm-hmm. the Disney back uh, back catalog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody wants you for this script. We've we've got your your everything everywhere. We've got it. Yeah, yeah. Like your Jonathan Taylor Thomas from Simba. Yeah, and yeah. and, and that, those Disney shows. Wow, if JTT came back, now that would be interesting. Yeah, there's some, yeah, yeah. He's mm-hmm. not working. I don't think. No, I mean he's come back a few times. I think he legitimately gave up. Like, yeah, he walked away. Like it wasn't a. He wasn't getting roles. He was just done. Like I'm done. Yeah. I've had enough of this fun. He's yeah. done a few cameo things in the mm-hmm. past, and but. Yeah. Curious who comes back next. Yeah, I mean, Veda from uh, My Girl has done some work, you know, a little bit here and there. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, she was on some show I watched at one point. She had a little guest run. Uh, was she in maybe that uh, Kevin Spacey president movie, whatever, the TV show, whatever that mm. was? I don't know what actor we're talking about, I don't think. The girl from My Girl? Oh, oh, she was Veda. on Veep. Anna yeah. Klumsky. Yeah, yeah, Anna yeah. Klumsky. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was on Veep. She's, she came back for a little bit. Yeah, she's yeah. she's had a career resurgence. So, I mean, and I don't know if it's really like big roles kind of thing. It's sort of like what Alicia Silverstone's doing right now. Get a little TV role here, mm-hmm. a little Lifetime movie there kind of thing. But yeah, interesting to see. 
Yeah. You know, I'm all for it. Uh, that, But yeah, that's the formula. Yeah, that's okay. all you need. That's all you need. Piece of cake. Well, if you have ideas on how to make the next Everything Everywhere All at Once or what this movie means for Hollywood, you can let us know. GoodTrashGenreCast at gmail.com. That's GoodTrashGenreCast at gmail.com for your long-form feedback. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. Uh, we're over there at Good Trash Media. You can find us tweeting about uh, things going on in the world of film, uh, tweeting about this podcast, other podcasts in our orbit. Go check that out. Uh, last but certainly not least, you can go to Patreon.com forward slash GTM. We are a three-letter agency. We lied at the top of the show. Uh, you know, the GTGC is just a smokescreen. At the end of the day, we too are a three-letter org. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash GTM. Keep this three-letter org alive. Uh, and you can find out what's in it for you. Unlike, you know, unlike the other things your tax dollars pay for, we will tell you exactly what you're going to get out of it. Uh, some people get to pick things like uh, a show for us to dis- a movie for us to discuss here on the show. Uh, other folks get uh, a little a little Blu-ray sent their way. That's patreon.com forward slash GTM if you want to hear more about that. Arthur, we've come to the end of two months of crime films. What does the future hold for us? Oh, well, speaking of Patreon, next week, our good friend and Patreon supporter, Keithan, has chosen our, our, our direction for us. Uh, and so it's time to get uh, big sad and maybe big life affirming. Uh, because next week, we take a look at Terrence Malick's The Hidden Life. Oh, gosh. Yeah, about uh, the German guy. Standing up to the Nazis. Yeah. Okay. And, and, I don't uh, think I know this particular Mallet film. You don't know about this? No. It, has, it was his out. good follow-up to The Tree of Life. Yeah. Uh, it was... In the like slew 20, that he did. There's a bunch of movies he did, like, more than his entire career over the last five yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he cranked this out all those movies he did in Austin. 19? Yeah, I think it was right before the pandemic, yeah. I think. I was it part is of about it. A, a German um, who says, no, I won't be a Nazi, and what that's going to lead to. Well, I mean, that's a good call. Yeah. Um, I like Terrence Malick, so, all right, there you go. Um, thanks, Keithan. Uh, I have an excuse to see this movie now. So uh, that's what's happening next, The Hidden Life. Uh, you keep watching, we'll keep talking. We'll talk, talking? Talk. Sure. Talk talking and we'll see you all (laughs) 